0: feel free to stay where you're at or if you want to get into your seats, but I know the Lord wants to speak through what has been on our hearts already this morning because it is exactly what He's called us for that He wants to speak to today. God wants to speak to our purpose. God wants to speak to the future, the direction of our purpose for why we exist And what he wants to accomplish here. Do you believe, and I want you to think about this, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, this is a rhetorical question. But do you believe that God wants to save the lost people of the Shenango Valley? God wants to save the lost people of this region. And it's going to take work, it's going to come at a cost. Jesus modeled that cost by giving his own life. And that's, that's what I want to point us to this morning is it's something that Jesus said after he had raised from the dead. It's his final words of what he spoke right before he ascended into heaven. We see this in Matthew twenty eight sixteen 16 through 19. He says that the disciples had left for Galilee and were going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. When I look at this, and, and i you know, Scripture is like this. You can read the Bible 25 times, and on your 26th time, you'll see something new. And as I was reading these verses earlier this week, I was just really in awe of this statement it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. It means there were two groups of people there that day. There were people who saw Jesus and were like, this is Jesus, the Son of God raised from the dead. Let's worship him with all that we've got. And then there was another group of people that saw him and they're like, is that really Jesus? Or is this just some trick? Is this just some scheme? Is it real? Can I believe it? Can I put my trust in it? And it says that they doubted. And they didn't respond to the moment i believe that god has a moment of response for us that he's calling us to it's to awaken you know if you go back a a few chapters before this in matthew 24 jesus is laying out what he says is going to happen at the end of all things probably heard it before it says there'll be wars and rumors of war strange weather in different places earthquakes we read all of these things and we see them and there's a bit of it that we look at and we're like wow that could be now that could be a reality right now but there's something that he says later on in the chapter that really just it's really startling but he equates it in this way he says that when the end comes it'll be just like it was in the days of noah People were partying, living their lives, just doing everyday stuff, going to work, raising their kids, having all these different events and activities he Says they were just going through their everyday lives right up until the moment that the flood began, judgment happened, the, the door to the, the ark was shut and it was, there was no more chance. And he says that that's exactly how it'll be right before the Son of Man, Jesus, right before Jesus returns. He says, that's what it'll be like. There'll be people who are just caught up and living their everyday lives. We're just, we're just doing it, right? We're just doing life. He said, but then it's gonna come and it's going to happen. And I, There are two things I just really wanna speak to quickly this morning that I think are so important to us. Number one is this transition that I believe God is calling us into out of being a people who just believe or who even follow most of what God says, but this transition is saying, no, I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to go beyond where I've ever been before in relationship with Jesus. And listen, that's my question for you this morning. Do you want to go past the furthest point you've ever been in relationship with Jesus? I had a pastor once years ago, a friend of mine, He made a statement that was really hard for me to grasp at the moment, but it's true. If you are not the closest to God that you've ever been, you're backslidden. You're you're either drawing closer to God or you're falling away from God. Or I love to put it in these terms, in all of nature and all of creation, the only things that we see that are not growing are things that are dead. So we don't have the option to just sit. We have to be either growing where there's a part of us that we're falling away from God, we're dying in, in the midst of that relationship. But I want to point out to you just a few things here. What, what's a disciple? One who believes in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, born of a virgin, who lived a sinless life, who went to the cross and bore our sin and shame on himself, who died, was buried, and then raised from the dead. And that when he did so, we became victors. We became conquerors. Do you believe the doctrine of Christ? And it says, one who rests in the sufficiency of his sacrifice. What does that mean? You can't earn your salvation. Righteousness is a... A form of worship that we give to the Lord. We choose to live lives that are pleasing and honoring to God as a form of worship. But listen, there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It was a gift given to God by grace, and we rest in that reality. We are saved by grace. And then this one is really important, and this is kind of what we were partaking of just a few moments ago. One who actively seeks and partakes of his Spirit. Being a seeker of the Spirit of God. When Jesus returned and saw his disciples, you can read this in John chapter 19, he goes and he's visiting with his disciples and it says he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And he told them, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit because when I'm gone, you're gonna need a helper. You're gonna need help to get through the times that lay ahead. It's not gonna be easy and without the Holy Spirit, you might not make it. But I'm gonna give that to you as a gift. And then lastly is one who imitates his example. When people see you, do they see Jesus? Here's the question. If the majority of the church followed God the way that you do, would the church be better off or worse off? If every Christian followed Jesus like you, would the church be better or would the church be worse? Where would that put us? But that's the example that God has called us to live by. And then he says this. This is so easy. It's Jesus' last words. He makes it very simple. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you. Go, make, teach. Going is not enough. We had a missionary probably six, eight months ago, the Perdans. He said, it's not enough for me to just go to the other side of the world. I can't just fly to another country and land and say, okay, I followed Jesus, I goad. That's not enough. I have to do the next step. I have to make disciples. I have to make disciples and teach them to follow Jesus. I have to teach them what it means to live their lives for Christ. And he says, this is what I've called you to. This is Jesus' command to every single one of us. And listen, there are a ton of things that Jesus could have spoken to in those final words. But let me tell you some of the things that he didn't say. He didn't say, go into all the world and build beautiful church buildings. He didn't say, go into all the world and sing fun Christian worship songs. He didn't say, go into all the world and even memorize the entire Bible. He didn't say, go into all the world and feed the poor. All of these things are fine, but the thing that he spoke to, what he wanted us to know first and foremost, is he said, you need to go into the whole world and make disciples. He's speaking to his disciples. He said I've been pouring into you for 3 years. Now you go and pour into somebody else. And here the math has already been done for us. If if we would follow this same model where Jesus 12 disciples disciple 12 more people who disciple 12 more people who disciple 12 more people in 14 generations the entire world could be reached. That's all it would take. And he gave us the plan right here. So how do you become a disciple maker? What what does that look like? Going from example to a teacher to a leader, making disciples for Jesus, because church, this is what God has called us to. Can, Can we just be really honest with ourselves and take a sobering gut check reality here? Anything else that we're doing is a waste of time. If we're not making disciples, anything else that we're doing is a waste of time. Because this is what Jesus called us to do. He said, You've got to make disciples and teach them about my love and mercy and forgiveness for them. Lead them. Lead them to a place in their lives where they become drastically different from who they are, filled with the Holy Spirit and living their lives differently. And so, how do we make disciples? Six ways share the gospel. You know, it is probably outside of the realm of most of our thinking, but it is true. There may very well be someone in your immediate circle of friends or family or neighbors who has never been told that Jesus died for them. They don't know it. We think that's preposterous. We're an American nation, right? Everybody in America knows about Jesus. No, they don't. There are people who do not know. Share the gospel. Speak it. To build relationships. Here's the reality. Nobody cares about what you know until they know that you care. You can't just do drive-by baptisms and you can't do drive-by devotions and you can't do drive-by outreach. You can't do drive-by, all of it takes getting engaged with people where they're at, loving them where they're at and meeting with them regularly. Jesus did it with his disciples for three to three and a half years, every day pouring into their lives, teaching and mentoring them. Listen, you need three relationships in your life. I hope you hear me about this this morning. This is really important. Three relationships in your life that matter greatly. One is somebody who is ahead of you in their walk with Christ, who can mentor you, teach you, and challenge you to follow after Jesus. Two is someone who is in about the same place that you're at that you can have accountability with them. You can talk to them, pray with them, and encourage one another through the current struggles that you face. And thirdly is somebody who's coming after you who needs to be mentored and taught and trained to follow Jesus. You need all three of these relationships, somebody ahead of you, somebody beside you, and somebody behind you, that we are being led, we're encouraging one another, and we're leading others. That's what discipleship looks like. And then to the fourth here is living as an example. Can I tell you that we live in a small enough community that if you freak out on the cashier at Walmart, somebody's going to notice If somebody cuts you off on State Street where it goes down to one lane, why would they ever do that? I don't know. (laughs) But if somebody cuts you off and you wave to them with one finger, somebody's probably going to know. If your kids are playing a sport and you don't like the call and you freak out and scream at the referee or the umpire or the other team or the other coach or their parents, somebody's going to know. We live in a small enough community and living out the example of Christ is not doing it most of the time, it's doing it all of the time. And being man enough or woman enough that when we fall short, we go to people and we tell them, I was wrong. I was wrong. The way I acted there was wrong. My example was not godly, it was wrong. Following and living out that example, encouraging and challenging each other. Listen, that iron sharpens iron, as Proverbs says. We have to go with one another to be sharpened by the things that God is speaking to us, the things God is speaking to you through our life groups and getting to know each other, spending that time so that we can be challenged and encouraged. Because here's the reality. Sometimes we're down and we need encouragement, and sometimes we're lazy and we need challenged. Amen. I heard that. Thank you. At least somebody was paying attention. Sometimes we need encouragement because we're down. Sometimes we need challenge because we've gotten complacent or lazy. We need somebody to light a fire under us again. Get up, get going. It's time to follow Jesus. There's this picture you can read it in the beginning of Luke chapter or not Luke, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1. Where Jesus ascends into heaven, and basically what happens is the disciples are standing there, and Jesus is among them. And what happens is Jesus just begins to go up into heaven, and all of them stand there and they go like this. And they just stand like this for so long that angels have to come back and say, Men of Galilee, what are you doing? Jesus is gone, go get to work. Go make disciples. you got stuff to do. They had to light a fire on them because otherwise they were just going to stand there staring at the sky. Listen, we can get into that same place looking for the next thing, looking for the move of God, running after this, running after that. No, there's work to be done. There are people to be reached. There are lives to be changed. There are people to be transformed. Please hear me in this church. This is sobering. There are people in this room that if you were to die tonight, you would perish in eternity, without God. How do I know? Because Jesus said that the way that leads to everlasting life is a narrow, tiny little gate, and he said, few choose it. He goes, but the way into eternal punishment is like a superhighway, and many people are gonna go that way. He even goes as far as to say at the end, he goes, there'll be people who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, but in your name, I went to church every week, and I led a ministry, and I led this, and I did that, and Jesus will say, depart from me, because I never knew you. There are people in your families, people in your workplace, people in our communities, your neighbors, your friends, who if they were to die today would go into eternity without Jesus. It's a reality that should keep us awake. Friends and family that need to know Jesus, we need to, get, we need to be about that business. Because what we're supposed to do, what we're called to do is reproduce. Disciples making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. Disciples. At whatever cost. God, we want to reach more people for you. At whatever cost. Whatever it takes. We want to reach more people for you, Lord. Because we need to reach the Shenango Valley. But God has given us a promise. And this is what is really important here. As I kind of close out here. Matthew 28, verse 20. He says, be sure of this. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. He says, I'm not sending you out to go do this on your own, by your own strength, by your own abilities, by your own wit and skill. I'm going to go with you. In fact, he's telling them this as he's leaving. Doesn't really make any sense. They're standing in a field. He's leaving and telling them, wherever you go, I'll be with you always. Really counterintuitive. Why are you leaving us then? He told them earlier, and you can read this in John chapter seven or 16, he says, I have to go. It's better for you that I go, because if I go, then the Holy Spirit can come and minister to you. But if I stay, you won't receive power from on high like you would if I go. So this is God's promise to us. He says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to live as I have lived and everything that I have taught to you and take the Spirit of God inside of you to go and reach a world that doesn't want to hear it. To go into a world that is sick of hearing it that it flies in the face of what they feel comfortable with or what they think is normal or acceptable. And let's just break it down into reality. Every fear that comes into our minds of, well, what if it costs me a friendship? What if it costs me some, a weird relationship with my neighbor or with a coworker and I bring up Jesus to them and suddenly everything's different? What if it messes things up at my job, what, whatever it looks like? None of that matters in comparison to saying, God, I want to fulfill the great commission, your final words to your church because that's who I am. You know, this is not the church. It's not. When you leave here, it's a vacant building, and if Jesus doesn't return someday, it will sit in a pile of rubble. It doesn't mean anything. You are the church. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Then he says this, Your body is not your own. You were bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Jesus. Or... You don't. Right? We either belong to God or we don't. God says that if you belong to me, I'm with you and I'm going with you in church. I believe wholeheartedly what God is calling us to right now in this moment is to make disciples. To make disciples, to let this become the very thing that drives everything that nothing else is going to matter. We're not going to worry about this. We're not going to worry. We have to make disciples. We've got to make disciples. We've got to teach people about Jesus. We've got to lead them to the heart of God. We've got to lead them to forgiveness, lead them to mercy, lead them in what it means to live for God. We've got to show them the Bible, teach them the gospel, introduce them to Jesus. This is what God has called us to do. And church, I don't know where you're at in that process this morning, whether you're in the place of saying, I've got to become a true disciple or I've got to start leading people into discipleship. But a decision has to be made for every single one of us. Am I going to be a part of what God is doing right here in the Shenango Valley? I ask you again, do you believe that God wants to save the lost people of the Shenango Valley? Do you believe he wants to use you? That's the harder one to answer. Right? Yes, I believe God wants to reach the whole world. He wants to reach every single person. In fact, he told us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that he's being patient so that all can come to everlasting life in Jesus. We already know that, and it's easy, right? God wants to save the lost of the Shenango Valley. Check. God wants to use you. Well, maybe not me. Maybe somebody else. Maybe the person sitting next to me. Maybe the person who's been in church longer than me, who knows more than me, uh, who's read the Bible all the way through. Or, nope. Please hear me. Every single person in here, if you're watching us online, God wants to use you. In fact, not only does He want to use you, but the Great Commission right here shows us He says, I've commanded this of you. Go into the world and make disciples. So, what does that mean? It means God said you're a missionary. God said you're a missionary to the Shenango Valley. I didn't ask you to move to another country to learn another language or another culture or other customs. I'm sending you right here to the people that you know in the places where you have lived among the people you've always known and I'm asking you to be a missionary to this world. Will we say yes? Are we going to say Yes. Because that's what God's plan was, to reach the lost here. It was you. It was you. Somebody else isn't coming, it's you. He says, I want to reach the lost through you. Will you pray with me? God, would you awaken the seriousness of this reality in our hearts? Would you just speak to that part of us right now, God, that needs to be awakened and activated. Awakened from our sleep, our comforts, the pursuits that are outside of this great commission. God, would you awaken us in this moment? Lord, would you put inside every single heart in this room, and those watching online. An all-consuming and burning passion, God, for lost people. People who, if they died today, would be lost forever. God, would you put that so heavily in our hearts that it just becomes absolutely unacceptable to us? Lord, you called us, you sent us, you commissioned us to go into the Shenango Valley and to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them what it means to live their lives for Jesus. God, speak that to our hearts in this moment. Maybe you're here this morning, and I just want to speak to maybe two groups of you here, but one, you would say... I'm here. I believe in God. Maybe there are even a lot of areas in my life where I'm trying to follow God. But I don't think I can say that I'm an absolute disciple of Jesus. But I want to be. If that's you, I just want to ask you to slip up a hand because I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Yeah. Or maybe you're here and you'd say, I may not be perfect and I know I never will be. But I want to start making disciples for Jesus. I want to start reaching my neighbors. And I want to start reaching my co-workers. And reaching my friends and my family. And if if need be strangers because there are people who need Jesus. If that's you, I want to ask you to slip up a hand. Because I want to pray for you this morning. Yeah. I want to be a disciple maker. I don't want to play games. I want to be a disciple maker. Can I ask you to stand? I want to pray over you this morning. I want to lead you in a prayer for those of you who raised your hand and said, I want to be a true disciple of Jesus, a true disciple of everything that he's speaking into our lives. Not just a believer, not just a follower, but someone who is wholeheartedly committed. So will you pray this with me and for everyone who raised their hand? Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my heart and be my king and my friend. I want to be your disciple A true follower who lives out your example in every place that I go. In Jesus' name. God, I pray over those who raise their hand to be disciple makers. God, speak it into the hearts of your people. This commissioning call to be a missionary to the Shenango Valley. This commissioning call, God, that everything else is secondary to us being missionaries, to our friends and neighbors and coworkers and the people we go to school with, whatever it looks like, God, would you commission that in our hearts right now that we are missionaries to the Shenango Valley? We are called to make disciples. Would you place in our hearts a desperate hunger for more of your spirit? Realizing that we cannot reach the lost without you. We can't do it on our own, God. We don't have the ability. We need more of your spirit at work inside of us, God. So would you breathe on us as you did your disciples? Would you breathe that fresh breath and wind of God on us that allows us to know when to go and where to go and who to speak to and how to speak that we know, Lord Jesus, and just can't get comfortable knowing that there are lost people who will be lost to eternity if we don't reach them. God, help us to be disciple-makers. Commission us, God, for your glory. And as we do so, Lord, we we trust in your promise that you'll be with us always, even to the end of the age. So move mightily in our midst, O God, and send us forth into the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, please hear me. You have a mission field. You do. People that no one else in this room could reach, they're your mission field. Go and reach them. I know we didn't get to talk about our giving this week, but we would love to encourage you to give to the Lord, you know, as, you, as He puts on your heart our tithes and offerings. We have our boxes at the back on your way out. Our online giving is still available. And as we give, we continue to push that Great Commission forward so that we can reach more people. But go into the world and be a missionary today. If you need prayer, our prayer team will be up here at the front. We'd love to pray with you, but Lord bless you. Go into all the world in Jesus' name.